Shumrabyug. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Top of the morning and welcome back to the Shumrabyug. I am at the Michael of Michael and Benjamin's podcast. And top of the bloody morning to you in any ways, I'm joined by another Patty. Say that, hello, that, Patty. My name's Ben. Yes, Ben, you're a Patty, aren't you? I, well, I mean, depends on who you ask. <laughs> well, now, Ben, surprise, surprise, and because be I'll tell you what, I'll be doing this voice for the whole podcast. Oh, what, what a win. What a rare treat it is at all. Yeah, lucky us, huh? People wow. will be really happy with it. People will be saying it's one of the best podcasts, one of the best creative decisions I think anyone has ever made at all, at all. Sure, if the Lord ever had a favourite podcast, Michael, to be this one. Oh, I've finally gotten to you and now you're doing it as well. Sure, this is a grand soft day. It's like an infection. It's unbelievable. Well, look, <laughs> Michael, to, ce- to celebrate this fine occasion on this soft morning, <laughs> I'm going to sing you an old Irish tune. Just hang in there now. Are you ready? Oh, go on. You ready? <laughs> <laughs> oh, go on, yeah, go on, yeah. Theme music for the podcast. Don't actually have anything music. Oh, I don't know if I'll be able to do it. I don't know if I'll be able to do it for the whole time. Oh, let's not. My mobile telephone is going mad. Wow. It's people telling me, it's people texting me, Benjamin, and saying, I tell you what, Mika, I hope you're not doing the whole fucking podcast in that voice because you won't have any listeners left by the end of it. They're I think you find. That's me texting you, asking you to do that voice for the Please, whole podcast. Please, be gosh, you Benjamin, anyways. Right. Tell you what, though. Speaking of people putting on a funny voice for no oh, reason. Fuck. Have you been following the latest news about the fella, the Batman fella? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, no, Michael, tell me more. I tell you what, Benjamin, I tell you what's going on now. Oh, please stop. Do you remember a good old <laughs> Michal Keaton? Do you remember yeah, him now? Yeah. He's a grand lad, a grand strong yeah, lad. He's, he's a big strapping lad. Yeah. Big strapping lad, good old Michal Keaton. <laughs> I tell you what, Benjamin, there's a rumour going around down the old parish. I heard it from Father Mulcahy himself that Michal <laughs> Keaton would be coming back in the old films to reprise the role of the old Batman fella. Uh, yeah, he used to pop up in the Flash series as well. No, not the Flash series, Ben, the Flash film. Oh, the Flash film. You know, with your man, the fella who likes going around choking women and pushing them on the ground. Michael Keaton? No, your man from out of the the, the, the bisexual fella. Oh, bloody... Uh, I've got a bit more cork now. Yeah, I don't know where you're going with this. Um, I can't remember his name. His name escapes me. He's a very odd it's guy. Good old Ezra, Ezra Miller is the Ezra, name. The Ezra now. Miller's the old name. Um, what do you mean he's been pushing women around? What's, what's that about? Ezra Miller, he got in trouble in Iceland for choking out a woman, I think. Oh, Jesus. During the old lockdown. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Ezra, no, it wasn't. You, you saucy minx. Wasn't very good now. I tell you oh. what, though, Ben, I wouldn't say there's much worry of this happening. Of of the movie happening? Of Michael Keaton appearing in the film Flash. I say there's about as much chance as that as there is me doing this accent uh, for the whole podcast. Depends on how much money um, he gets paid, I suppose. Oh, uh, no, no, yeah. Ben. I've no doubt that they've contacted me, Hall Keaton. He's a kind strapping lad. The thing is, Ben, there's no fucking chance of that Flash film ever getting made at all. Yeah, I think... Um, I think the film is probably very much in doubt here, Michael. I've had a quick scan of the the interwebs, um, and apparently his little his little woman beating. <laughs> oh yes, it wasn't the best. No, it wasn't the best. Now, no, of course, if it, was, if it was Ireland in the fifties, it would have been grand. Uh, and Michael, let's be honest, it's not a rumor, buddy. There's there's a full video <laughs> out there. Oh no, that's not a rumour. The rumour is the Michael Keaton thing. Yeah, the rumour is the Michael Keaton thing. Look, I... Uh... Ezra Miller loves choking out a woman. Who knew? Who well, knew? Well, the whole world, Ben. This is very big news a few months ago. I'm surprised you didn't know about it. You must well, be on the old... You must be on... Not on the internet very often because you're down and knocking the sheet and, and you haven't got any Wi-Fi. Can I just pause from the podcast and say I can't do this if you can't <laughs> <laughs> But Benjamin, I've made a commitment now. I don't even know how I how I'd sideways out of this. To be honest, I think you'll have to talk for a little bit, and then hopefully by the time you're finished talking, I'll have 
I'll have de-escalated from this character that I've created. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of voices that nobody wants that are mildly racist. <clears throat> um, <laughs> there's been a bit of a backlash, Michael, in the animation community this week. Several, uh, several lead actresses have stepped down from their voiceover roles in various uh, animated comedies, whilst other lead actresses have voiced their regret over voicing certain characters. This comes in the wake, Michael, obviously, of the Black Lives Matters movement and the George Floyd killings and the really society-wide retrospection on what's okay and what's not okay when it comes to racial representation. The old Americans have gone mad. They've, they, well, I don't know if it's mad to do this, Michael, because in fairness, pretty dodgy casting in the first place. So there are, there are several popular animated TV shows at the minute, Michael, especially in the light of COVID. Um... Animated TV shows seem to be thriving in the COVID environment. And uh, many, many actresses this week have announced that they'll be stepping down from their roles where they are white actresses voicing biracial characters or uh, ethnically different characters. Mm. The biggest of those with the most popular role would probably be Jenny Slate, who's stepping down from her role as Missy on Big Mouth. Well, disagree there because the guy who plays Cleveland in the in the Family Guy series oh, yeah. is also stepping down. He's probably yeah. a bigger, even bigger name. But yeah, no, it's it's very interesting, isn't it? It's it's a very very fine line. What's going on? As long my my personal feeling about it, Ben, and here's my personal feeling. Go on. Is um those characters weren't like Missy? I I don't watch Big Mouth a lot, but. I didn't think that she was played as biracial, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's not. It's just her skin color is one thing about the character. Uh, Jenny Slate's not doing, for want of a better term, black voice. No, I didn't think so. Um, As far as I could tell, she was doing pretty much her regular voice. Um, So, you know, there's a whole aspect to it where you're looking at it and going, hmm, so what you're saying is there is a racial difference in people's voices. Is that what they're saying? That you I think need it's a representation issue. Uh, like, I, I, think, I think the argument is biracial roles for biracial women. I, 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 yeah. From what but, I can tell. I mean, Ben, one of your favorite characters of all time oh, no. is, a, is a Japanese oh, samurai God. played by a black guy. Oh, yeah. That's true. He is one uh, of my favorite characters of all time. Yeah, Samurai Jack is famously played samurai by Phil Jack, Lamar. Who is, who is not Japanese, nor no. a samurai. No, he's not even a samurai. Samurai if he was representation like, matters, huh? Yeah, if he was a black samurai, it'd be fine. But he's not even a samurai. Mm. But, you know, yeah, there, there, are, there are issues like that. I mean, Darth Vader is famously... Um, yeah, there, there was some call that... Uh, I, I did read a little bit about that as well, because that, that name has been pulled into the, the midst of this... Mm. And the the argument, I, I think several uh, prominent critics said that he was play he was given a, a black voice actor to further scare white audiences. Yeah, um, I which is up, a big uh, stretch. I think it's a bit of a stretch. I certainly didn't know that Darth Vader's voice actor was black when I was growing up. Yeah, I had not only notion. did I not know Ben, I also didn't care because as yeah, far as dude. I was concerned, he was a giant evil half robot man. Yeah, I never voice. even knew there was a voice actor, and that's kind of. I mean, there's a whole other thing then. If if you're talking about comic or cartoons for kids or cartoons for adults, like mm, it's a very interesting topic, and Ooh. like the what's being presented is that this is the actors making the choice, but and it definitely lo- isn't. Yeah. Well, but that's the question. As long as that is, it's a it's a quite noble and uh, helpful thing to do. But if it isn't, if there is um, something more to it where there and I mean there almost certainly is because every choice is made based on some sort of societal pressure it's, mm. it's um, it's a very interesting thing it's not like the Apu thing from a couple of years ago where it was a white yeah. actor playing a very obvious Indian stereotype mm. but even then, Apu was mostly a sympathetic character and yeah I don't know I don't know I, it's, I uh, think it's interesting a- there's a real danger of being insincere because Alison Brie has stepped forward and she voices um, Diane Wynn on BoJack Horseman. 
right, who yeah. is a v- Vietnamese American character. Yeah. And she released a large statement saying that she regrets ever taking that role. But that's mm. seven seasons in and all paychecks in the bank. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. she certainly didn't regret it for seven seasons. But I mean... And she certainly but, says she regrets ever playing it now. But, I mean, was mm. Diane Wynn... She was up on screen representing Vietnamese Americans. Yeah, I, I would like, also argue that any it's, it's self-respecting Vietnamese American wouldn't speak very differently. Yeah, that's the other that. thing, isn't it? That's the other thing. I don't know whether mm. they're expecting someone to have a very strong Vietnamese accent while they speak English yeah. in that role. Like, I don't know. If that was Alison Brie doing that, mm, yeah, maybe not great. Yeah, but it wasn't. Hmm. Having said that, Ben, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's... um. Hmm. I, I do have a little gem for the listeners here that might that might help you to understand what we mean when we say there's a right way to portray a different ethnicity right. as a voice role and there's a wrong way to do it. If you go way, way back, Michael, before Audible existed, and I've the spoken pop- about this before, Audible, Audible, the, the popular audiobook platform from Amazon. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 Book companies used to publish their own audiobooks in large collections of CDs. And we, and we had one of those, Michael, in my house. And it was the Artemis Fowl. The Artemis um, Fowl. Audiobook series. But, Michael, it was it was narrated by a, a famous stage actor here in Ireland called Adrian Dunbar. Okay. And Adrian Dunbar would yeah. give different characters different ethnicities and national oh, backgrounds no. based on what he assumed they would be. Oh, and no. what you can hear in the opening of the Artemis Fowl audiobook, Michael, as you know, he goes to Vietnam where he visits a Vietnamese fairy. Oh, yeah. And, Michael, you will get to hear a roughly 43-year-old Irishman do his best impression of a Vietnamese fairy woman. Mm. Um, and that's as bad as it sounds. <laughs> um, so you, Is there you any can... way we could have some of that? Then? I'd, like, <laughs> I'd like to hear some of that. I, I still have it, but... I downloaded the new audiobook. Adrian Dunbar is a a dark memory at this point. It's been completely re-recorded because I'd say somebody went back and went, oh, oh no. Oh, no, you can't do that. No. Oh, you no, can't no, no, do no, that. No, 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 um, Foley is played as a stereotypical black man from America. Um, right. Which is, which is interesting for a, a 43-year-old white Irishman to try and do. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Having said that, you- Ben, I mean, on this very podcast, we do... Cod French accents and Italian accents yes, and German do. accents true. and Spanish accents and that's true. Yeah, it's a we can't really hide uh, yeah, from that, can we? Look, we're, we're yeah, no, we're really we're we're going through a bit of a cultural revolution at the moment, and we're going to have to see what it looks like on the other side. Yeah, well, I mean, I I don't know about you, Michael, but I lose about fifty percent of my funny if I can't, you know, racially profile people with my funny voices. <laughs> <laughs> and you're I'm only done. 50% funny anyway so I'm that would bring 50% you funny anyway so this podcast is about to get a whole lot duller yeah. um, but well yeah, look so I'll make up for it with this voice that I've done <laughs> oh god although it's um, probably yes it's look listen it's time to do the shit <laughs> <laughs> what's next on the list there? I don't know what is next on the list? We don't uh, have a lot to talk about this week. Michael. Oh, there was a new trailer, Benjamin. I'm going to describe oh. this trailer for you and you tell me about how excited you are about the twists and turns, Ben. Okay. Imagine, Ben, that you had a like an A-list celebrity. Oh, yeah. And that A-list celebrity was in a film. And that film, in the A-list, in the film, this A-list celebrity uh, played an assassin. Okay. A deadly assassin at the top of their game. And the other people in the assassin organization were also A-list Hollywood celebrities. Ooh-wee. But then, Ben, the assassin starts asking too many questions or he develops a conscience. And oh, then no. the assassin organization that the assassin is a member of decides to get rid of that assassin. Yeah, because it wouldn't be a great assassin if they had a conscience, would it, Michael? No, exactly. No. So, Benjamin, how many times have you seen that? Um, well, let's see. There's... there's 2010 Salt. There's salt, yeah. Atomic Blonde. There there's was that Will Smith one from last year. Gemini Man. Gemini Man, yeah. There's Wanted. Hel- there's too many Will the Smiths wanted. Ill-fated yeah. adaptation from Mark Miller. Red. Red, where Red old two. assassins develop a conscience. That one even has John Malkovich. Yeah, Red 2, where they get an even bigger conscience. Yeah, I mean, Jason Bourne. Arguably. Leon. In yeah. the 1990s, where Basically, they ad- where he adopted any film him. about assassins, Ben. It's the assassins Apparently. film. It's the assassins plot. Anyway, there's a new one, and this time it's Jessica Chastain who's the assassin. I could not care less, Michael. <laughs> I, I, 
I honestly don't think that matters in the slightest. I still can't tell the difference between Jessica Chastain and that other lady who looks very like her. Um, do you mean Dallas Bryce Dallas Howard? Yes, it's Colin, Farrell. Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell is in it, Ben. He's doing an Irish accent. Oh, yeah. Probably the yeah. last time he'll be allowed to do that. Yeah, because, you know, can't be doing that. Yeah, can't be doing that. People will be saying, you can't be doing that, Colin. I'd be going, this is my real voice, you fuckers. <laughs> Michael, I've been doing that this... American accent for years. That's the one you should be worrying about. Michael, does this mean that we have to stop doing voices on the podcast? Because if so, this no, episode is going to so. be very dull. No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, I think we're all right. As long as, uh, as long as it's your own people you're doing the voice of. Well, then it's fine, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so Ben, that uh, Ava is the name of that film and it looks generic. What What is it with f- bloody assassin films just using the one name the one of the woman? No, the one name of the woman. Ava, Hannah, yeah. Salt. Yeah. Like, all of them just take the name of the woman. Born. And like, there it is. Born. Like, it started, it started with Nikita, the French film that launched that whole thing. But then you had Nikita, Leon, Hannah. Ava. Lucy, <laughs> just keep Lucy. Don't, don't forget yeah. Lucy. That was a thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's just weird. Red Sparrow. It's just lazy. Anyway, <laughs> it's what I it don't is. care. But look, we'll probably see it because there's a bit of a drought of films. For one Isn't thing, Tenet has been pushed back, Ben. Ah, uh, not Tenet. Or is, is it Tenet? Tenet. Is it Tenet? Okay, yes, it's named after it's Christopher uh, Christopher Nolan's first apartment. Oh, ten- yeah. he was a tenant. Yeah, no, no, he was he was in ten A. Uh, next to ten B, it was a pretty nice apartment <laughs> in a local place. Ten A. Oh, that's the worst joke ever. That's, a, uh, that's more like obnoxious it. than the ten minutes of Irish accent I did at the beginning. <laughs> no, it is. That was very bad. Anyway, uh, right. Benjamin. Yeah, what's going on? I think that's it, isn't it? Batman, Ava. Yeah. Um. We got we got nothing, Michael. Look, last week, Michael, you and I took it upon yeah. ourselves. What did we? We had another. Ourselves? We had one of our our classic Irishman's Spas episodes. Oh yeah. And uh, we we got into the territory of paddywhacked, Michael. Um, oh, and pad- paddywhackery and basically michael that's that's what kind of what we're looking at today we we set upon uh, a course of action that i i don't entirely regret much to my chagrin we right. decided we watched darby o'gill for the podcast and we decided yeah. we watched bloody leprechaun for the podcast that's right that's true um because of the two films that give a, a more narrow depiction of the irish people I could not find better examples. Oh, big gosh and big on the top of the morning. What about um, that one about Janine Garofalo trying to find her husband? Uh, I don't What's remember What's that one that called? One. I think it's called Janine Garofalo tries to find a husband. Is that not a reality TV series on Fox? No, I can't remember no. what it's called. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know it. what that is. I, I'd is, say it's terrible. She goes to a matchmaking fair in Ireland. It's actually all right. It's pretty funny. Um, one, of my, one of my favourites... Michael is the uh, the much maligned at this point. I think um, what's the one where bloody Lois Lane comes to Ireland and she walks from Cork to Dublin in an afternoon. Leap year. Leap year. That's the one, that Michael. Leap year? Yeah. She walks. Yeah. She walks from Cork to Dublin in an afternoon. She starts in Cork and strolls her way on up to Dublin in an afternoon. Although that was a blood. That's a classic, classic Irish film with next to no Irish people in it. Zero. The, yeah, they had uh, Aussie Bloody Mandius playing the the, <laughs> the, Irish, the Irish love interest. It's like, are there no Irish people? Can you not get an Irishman? To, oh, look, we're talking about representation. Can you not get a bloody Irishman to bloody uh, to play that character? Well, I call. tell you, I, I tell you what shocked me, Michael, most of they all. They should have got Phil Lamar. It's Phil Lamar as a samurai, yeah. uh, playing an Irishman. Um, I tell you what shocked me the most, Michael, when I took a look at Darby O'Gill, was there are actually quite a lot of Irish actors in that. Yes, there are. There's there's a lot of genuine representation of Irish people in that film by Irish people, even though yeah they do a terrible job of their own accent. Some of them. Um, Let's get we'll get to that in a minute though, Ben. Because first of all, why don't you tell us for this very special episode of Irishman's Boss episode six? Uh, Probably should have said that in Irish. Um, what even is leprechauns? Well, leprechauns are one branch of the the fairy folklore system here in Ireland. 
it depends on which text you read. There's either one leprechaun in all of Irish folklore or there are leprechauns. Now, oh. the argument that you'll find from a lot of folklorists is that there's one leprechaun. So um, it's someone's name. He's the leprechaun. Right. Um, and he's a cobbler. And that's the famous role that he plays. But ooh is he he's a tricksy made, fella. He's made out of peaches. He's made out of peaches. He's a big old cobbler fairy. Um, and if you want three wishes, you cut yourself off a slice and try to choke it down. Um, and that's the way it works, you know. That's the way it works. And basically, as you go through with that, there are certain rules that happen if you, if you catch yourself a leprechaun. And usually you get three wishes or you get yourself a pot of gold. But, Michael. Yes? You, you best not be caught sleeping, son. Because if you do, then oh, it's he'll game over. He'll oh, trick you. He'll trick you. And he's he'll a, take whatever he wants away from you. It's he's a real bad. Faustian type. Yeah, it's real bad. So that's that's the leprechaun. But I think, Michael, it's probably the perfect example of what we could call paddy wackery. And when I say paddy wackery, Michael, I mean the misrepresentation of Irish people on screen. It's a very fitting episode for us to do that. It's a fitting bit of news. But I would say that largely through the history of cinema and television, etc., we've probably been much maligned when it comes to representation we, we get an odd an odd whack of the shillelagh so ha, to speak. as they say um our country is portrayed as some kind of backwards hovel in which people live a quaint existence and still believe in superstitions and shenanigans well um, i mean still believing in superstitions and shenanigans actually makes a lot of sense in a film where superstitions and shenanigans turned out to be true uh, yeah i mean but in, ben, in the world of the x-files scully's a bloody idiot yeah, the doubting Jane of the whole yeah, affair. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Like, I mean, yeah. in that, in the real world, yes, uh, she's the sane and reasonable one. But in that universe they live in, she's a big dumbass. Yeah, no, it's not great, Michael. It's not great. She's she's a bit of a plank. She has been shown time and time again to have physical evidence <laughs> that the world is not what it seems, and she's still like, ah, I don't know. I yeah, don't know. Classic Scully. It's, it's anyway, like ben, people just, who, who see statistics come out every week, Michael, that COVID-19 is a very real and dangerous thing, and they're like, ah, look, let's yeah, go to the grand, be grand, be grand. Let's go Benjamin, to the beach. riddle me this before we go any further. Go on. Um, the, the depiction of the leprechaun, is that really a very Irish thing at all now? Uh, well, it depends. Again, it depends on what you read. Right. Traditionally, a lot of representations have shown them having little red britches and a green jacket, uh, right, and they will right. wear a hat. However, Michael, as I yeah. previously stated, the main occupation that occupies a leprechaun's time is cobbling. And you mm. can often see them in a, a leather apron. You can often see them in a leather apron. So it really depends on, on who you ask. The, the problem that we have, Michael, more than anything else, is that a lot of Irish mythology has been co-opted by American authors. And we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, and a lot of it has been designed with the intention of selling an ideal of Ireland to Irish Americans. Yeah. And we'll get to that a little bit later as well. Um, and then the other problem that we have when it comes to our mythology and folklore in general, Michael, is uh, we weren't the most learned folk, mainly due to a lack of educational resources brought upon by a certain occupation. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the lads that got to write all this down, they were bloody monks or priests. No, and they're not the best. If you let them have a go at your story, Michael, it's going to be an awful lot of stuff about Christ in there. Oh, it's going to be Christ. an awful lot of stuff about fairies being in league with the devil. I and tell you what, Ben. Yeah. I've been to the Leprechaun Museum in Dublin, and like every honest to God Irish person, when they announced the Leprechaun Museum in Dublin, I went, oh, for feck's sake. Yeah. Cause it's Get the pretty... feck out of here with your little leprechaun men. But I've been there, Ben. Yes. And I know a couple of people who work there, and maybe someday we'll get them on the podcast. Oh, we but should. It's not really a leprechaun museum, is it, Ben? No, not particularly, Michael. It's, it's not really at all. There's one little room at the start where it says, Listen, Americans, leprechauns, you gang made them up. They're not an actual thing. Yeah. You took a thing which is kind of tangentially maybe a side little character in one story in Irish mythology. Emphasis on possibly. Yeah, and you turned them into this thing, which, let's be honest, we're not going to be talking about them again. They're not really that Irish at all, are they? Yeah, it's not great. It's not and very then, helpful. And then the rest of the Leprechaun Museum, Ben, is about actual Irish mythology and legends, not the old whacked paddies at the beginning. 
which is kind of a useful thing as a re-educational thing. It gets the punters in and then forces them to confront their bloody chicanery and poor it's, representation. Exactly. It's interesting, isn't it? And then Phil Lamar comes in and does a flip and chops your head off with a samurai sword. And then we all learn a lesson about representation in media. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Uh, so, Michael, uh, speaking of Americans who tried to make a quick book out of our existence, um, yeah. how did you find Darby O'Gill? How did I find it? It was on Disney+. Plus. Ah, excellent. I found it there yeah, too. I just searched on the internet. What did you think <laughs> of it? <laughs> Benjamin, so both of us, we decided to watch. I Obviously, every Irish person has seen it. We see it upon birth. It's, yeah, uh, it's, part it's of our, mandatory viewing in the hospital. Yeah, that's one of the first things they do. They bless you. They get a priest in to bless you, give you your Christian name, and then you watch Darby O'Gill and the Little People to really solidify your national identity. I tell you what, Ben. Um, Darby O'Gill, 1959's Darby O'Gill. Yes, 1959. Uh, directed by Robert Stevenson. Yes. But really masterminded by Walt Talamu's Disney. Yeah, which, which is interesting, Margot, that the history of this production is is pretty, pretty vast. And so... Yeah, suspicious. there's a lot to get into here. I watched it, Ben. I watched it on Disney Plus, and to my infinite regret and shame, I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Isn't that I was so strange. Down, I was going, oh, this, oh, this bloody Darby O'Gill. This has a lot to answer for. And halfway through, I was going, come on, Darby, get rid of <laughs> Pony Shugro. He's a prick. I did the same thing. I realized the second he ran out of the cave and got yeah. away with it, my little heart went, yes, go on, Derby. Yeah, yeah. And I was <laughs> sitting there going. I was so ashamed, Ben. It uh, was such an, it's so enjoyable. My good lady friend was kind of watching me watch a bit of Darby O'Gill going, what are you doing? And I was going, I'm watching Darby O'Gill. It's fucking great. It's a great film. And I couldn't I the believe it. I same was... reaction. I was so ashamed of myself. It's now, oddly original, oddly enjoyable, oh, utterly ridiculous. <laughs> yes. And, I mean, okay, look, listen. It is very much a film from the late 50s. In that, it's... I mean, the rules of screenwriting that we understand these days aren't really there. To say it has a first, second and third act, it doesn't really. Nah, and nah. It's much more meandering pub tale, it's, Yeah, it's very <laughs> meandering. Like, a lot of the conflict of it doesn't actually appear until near the end anyway, and then and it's, it's resolved almost instantly. The, it's, the term uh, shoehorn might actually fit in I, there. Yeah, I don't know if the term shoehorn is fair, because it's not like they've said, we need a goddamn action sequence. It's meandering from start to finish. Yeah, um, it just takes its time. Yeah, it's that classic like primary school bringing in the trolley with the television <laughs> on it. And you know the kids are only going to see half an hour of it and it doesn't really matter because any given half an hour of it, enough happens that you can then turn it off and go, well, that was semi-satisfying. <laughs> well, that scratched some kind of itch. Yeah. But yeah, it's surprisingly good. It's surprisingly <laughs> enjoyable. Oh and God, I tell you what, to finish. Yeah, the guy who plays Darby, uh, what's his name? Jimmy O'D... No, Albert Sharp. No. Uh, yeah. He's a real Irish person. Yeah. He looks like a real Irish person down the pub. And yeah. the, the the king of the fairies. Jimmy O'D. Jimmy O'D. He's a Brian real Connors. Irish person. Yeah, and he and he's very good. Funnily enough, the two, as it were, romantic leads are the only two non-Irish people in it, which is probably a bit racist. That yeah. the two people who had to be a bit attractive and sexy were not Irish. Not entirely, no. But uh, I tell you and what, then, very attractive and sexy they both are. Bloody Sean Connery pre 007. Oh yes, more like Michael McBride. Am I right? Oh, Michael <laughs> Mc. Well, yeah. You should have said Michael McBride first, so that. That joke has context. Okay, sorry. I'll go again from the start. So, yeah, so Sean Connery plays Michael McBride. More like Michael McBride, am I right? Very good. Yeah, very good. Yeah, it, nailed it. His, his, uh, his eyebrows and his lips do most of the acting. Uh, yeah, but I think that was true of all Sean Connery roles. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a Michael McBride. I'm a Dublin man. In fairness, it's one of the few times I've heard him ever try to mask his Scottish brogue. Yeah, uh, I didn't realise what he was doing, to be honest, at the start. And then... Um, Janet Monroe, who's also English. Yes. Uh, she plays Katie. Katie. Katie O'Gill. Katie o, Darby. O, Katie O'Gill. I don't know if they ever call her Katie O'Gill, do they? They no, always he says call her once. Katie. 
Yeah, they, they um, say it once. Yeah. Um, my my favourite character in this, Michael, had to be the Widow Shugra. I bloody hated her. Who's I this was like, bizarre English woman who clearly was a stage presence at some point in her career. Yeah. And she's short and she doesn't make any effort. She just, just uses well, she her regular... Does- Irish I don't, or I don't know accent. what she's doing. Yeah, I don't know what voice she's doing. So it is weird because you're watching it. And if you're an American, you're probably like, there's, oh, my God, guys, there's a really quite an interesting variety of accents in Ireland. No. <laughs> nobody's doing the same accent. Yeah, no, it's pretty weird. Um, not at all, not at all. It's pretty weird. But, even even the, the villain of the piece, Pony Shugru. Which yeah. is my favourite yeah. name for a villain ever. Yeah. He is Irish, but doesn't do a very convincing Irish accent. No, because he's doing stage Irish. He's an yeah, actual Irishman who's doing stage Irish. Um Horseplay Ben. Yeah. That's that's his that's his name. Yeah, it's pretty pretty weird. Horse horseplay. Horseplay. I see what you did. See, well I don't think it's what I did, is what the, the writers did. But yeah, it's it's I tell you one thing, Ben. Here's one thing now I'll tell you if you give me a wish to the old ears for a second and listen to me and t- I'll tell you one thing about this film that beyond above and beyond all of the rest of them will tell you it's a <laughs> Go good on. and it's good and honest film. The special effects are spectacular. Unbelievable, Michael. Incredible. Incredible. What they've clearly done in it is made two sets. One yeah. set which is human sized and the other set, which is an exact replica and leprechaun sized. And other than two scenes where someone has to physically interact with King Brian. Yeah. It's flawless. It's actually shocking for 1959. It's incredible. G- Jimmy O'Dee spent months in California. He went over. Jimmy O'Dee is the man who plays, as we said, Brian O'Connor, or mm. sorry, Brian Connors, the yeah. King of the Fairies. And he spent months in California filming by himself on a set. Uh, yeah. Really bizarre. That gave months of his life to this project. There, there's lots of cool trivia about this film. Like, um, yeah. they used different sized lighting rigs um, to maintain the, the, the correct lighting on set so that, you know, people seem to be lit from the same source. Because if they used the same light... Um, then the little people would have looked. The lighting on them would have been wrong. Yeah, they so would they have had massive jarring. lights on the little people, and it took so much electricity that apparently it like blew out the relay station in Burbank when they accidentally turned <laughs> it on without prepping. It's like it's a ama- the whole thing was filmed in Hollywood as well. That's the There's, weirdest part, isn't it? It's it. I mean, it's a pretty convincing little Irish town of some indeterminate time period in the past. Yeah, I, I, I guess it's set in the twenties. It, it must be. Um, it's supposed to be County Kerry, right? Um, we we see that from the postcard that gets sent to oh, to Michael McRide. Um, oh, and so him a Dublin he, man. And him a Dublin man. Um. That's one of my favorite things about Michael or about it, Michael, are, are yes. some of the backwards assumptions. <laughs> so, for example, he doesn't kiss uh, Katie O'Gill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the father's response is, and him a Dublin man, as and if a Dublin, Dublin man, man should have rode her there on the spot. An old Dublin man. No <laughs> honor in the old Dublin men. It's brilliant. I can't believe he showed her a bit of respect. What a, um, what a letdown. Um, it's such a bizarre uh, representation. And I love that yeah. uh, Brian Connor's greatest criticism of Katie O'Gill is, well, you'll find it easy enough to pick up a lad in your 20s, but turn yeah. 30 and you'll find you'll not have a husband. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's just like, oh, wow, what a message. What a she's message. A, she's a very attractive young lady too. She has a tragic she life story, Janet Monroe. She actually. does. She died at about 38. It's she very, does. Very she sad. died at 38 in mysterious circumstances. Mm. Um, but Ben yeah. anyway look the the reason we're talking about this film is its depiction of the Irish mythologies as well and yeah. um, for all your talk about solitary leprechauns they're not very solitary in this band they're always no. having a feckin' Kaylee. I tell you bloody they, they are not Michael they're having a rare L time all yeah. the time um, so 
this is a fascinating film, Michael, for a number of reasons. First of all, as we said, I quite enjoyed it. The other thing is quite an accurate depiction of right. certain Irish folklore tales. Go on. Um, we get the little people. Yeah. They live by a very clear set of rules. Yeah. Um, they are known for having a lep about and a Kaylee and a sing along and da 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 da. But we also get two representations of much lesser known Irish folklore figures um, in a proper sense. We get the Banshee. Oh, Christ on a bike, that Banshee was feckin' terrifying. Yeah, and she had her silver comb. She carries yeah. the comb around with her in the depiction. And then th- the strangest representation, something that I've never seen on film or mentioned in passing, is the Quish de Bauer, which is the death coach mm. um, driven by the Dullahan. Yeah, and the Dullahan is... Uh, the Dullahan is the original Headless Horseman. Many people feel that he probably inspired um, Irving Washington's depiction of the Headless Horseman um, as a Celtic kind of run-on. And it was really interesting to see him just pop up at the end of the film. Um, so there's there's a lot going on. There's a puka. That's what the black horse is. And it's yeah. mentioned by Darby himself. Ah, she'll be chasing a puka. Um, She'd be chasing the poker and it'd be good and it'd be go and get her and she fell off the cliff. Then we'd bring her back and now she's grand. And that all happened in 25 minutes and we weren't really worried about that at the beginning. But now what is going on? What's this now? Absolutely bloody grand. Um, and I mean, it, it's a pretty interesting depiction of all that. There's There's some very interesting depictions of Irish rural life as well. The reverence for the reverend. That, yeah. that pops in for the priest that pops in that's all there the, the strange want to do right by him going collecting the bell and yeah it's really interesting the, the pub is the, the central focus the old power of the, of the church yeah but there's also a reasonably restrained portrayal of Irish people in that nobody's drunk in the film no and I mean there's uh, when when Michael McBride when Michael McBride implies that Darby might be an alcoholic she, Katie's very upset and she's like he's not a drinking man yeah he just goes down for the company <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh. having having said that though the scene where he sings and dra- drinks with King Brian is uh, oh. the, yeah I mean you say that there's not a lot of drink but alcohol is consistently present through <laughs> the whole true. film that is the true. whole film is based around the pub and getting drunk with fairies and a big bottle of putchin he found in the bog yeah it's. I mean, there's alcohol constantly. Pony is always asked after the whiskey. They give a the thing of whiskey to King Brian. It's the only way to get him to talk. It's. Yeah. Uh, there's non-stop alcoholism in it for sure. Yeah, that's true. Actually, now that you mention it. But anyway, yeah. coming back to to King Brian and that whole concept. This is all based on a book, Michael. Get out of here. Uh, well, not not necessarily a book, but a serialized uh, short story collection that came out from 1903 to 1905 to 1905 1903 to 1905 and those stories were written by and this this gets a bit convoluted a woman born in Louth okay okay raised in England highest road deaths in Ireland (laughs) highest what? road deaths oh that's kind of sad yeah yeah yeah. Um, so raised in raised or sorry raised in England uh, among nobility and then finished her life in Chicago. Oh, um, how international. She wrote these stories when she was around 30 years old, uh, and they were the Darby O'Gill and the good people. Oh, not the little not the people. Little people. Okay, the concept of the little people is born from this film, this oh. notion of calling them the little people. Um, and she wrote a series of stories in this, and they've been collected now. I have read three of them in anticipation of this occasion, Michael. Um, and a lot of what Americans believe here, a mm. lot of what Americans have taken, have clearly been taken from the stories by this woman. This woman's name is is very telling of her round the world upbringing. It was Hermione Templeton, Templeton Kavna. That's very uh, mixed up. Very mixed up. Very all around the place. Um, and she created these stories. And the original three stories were Darby O'Gill and the Good People. How the fairies came to Ireland, and Darby O'Gill and the Leprechaun. No, oh. so yeah, that sounds like you've you've combined them all together. You get the film. You're bloody right, Michael. You're bloody spot oh, on. Bang yeah. on the money. So, Michael, let me tell you the first tale. Okay. 
And one of the things that marks this out as completely different, Michael, is that it's a much more sinister uh, mm. tale. So, Darby O'Gill is a perfectly normal farmer, not an elfla. Okay. Okay. He has three prize pigs. Okay. That he's going to sell at a fair. And Darby goes out one day to check on the pigs. And uh, wouldn't you know it, one of them's gone amok. Okay, one of them's gone. All right, Completely okay. disappeared. Sorry, run amok. I meant to say run amok. One of them's disappeared and he goes, ah, Jesus, who stole my bloody goddamn pig? Where's my prize pig, you bastards? And he says, do you know what? I'm not going to bother looking for it because I got two more perfectly good pigs right there. I'll just sell them instead. So he comes out the next day and wouldn't you know it, he's another pig gone. down. Oh. So he returns a third time and he says, ah, Jesus, the third pig's gone. I'm fecked. So he says, do you know what? I'm going to have to feed the family somehow. I'll just sell my favorite cow in the whole wide world, Rose. Oh, Rose. And he goes out to get Rose and Jesus Christ, some thieving, murdering son of a gun has gone and stole Rose. As well. So he goes down to the village, he barges into the pub and he says, which one of you thieving, cantankering, murdering sons of guns has stolen my cow and three pigs? And the pub says, it wasn't us, man. Give over. Who was it? And so then, bloody yes. representative of the fairies in the Elf Village there steps up, and her name is Sheila Maguire. Very Irish. How oh, very Irish, yeah. And Sheila Maguire is a spy for the fairies. She's the oh. fairy doctor in the village. She says, ah, now, now you know as well as any that no man here could scoot away three pigs and a cow in one single, one single week. And he goes, yeah, it does seem a bit suspicious, all right. She goes, it was bloody fairies. So what you do is, you head on up there to that field where the fairy fort is, you have a lie in it, and you keep your eye out and see if your cow turns up. And if it does, you'll have one chance to snatch it back or the fairies will take you forever. So Darby O'Gill says, right, I'll go up and do it. And he goes and he sits in the, sits in the field. He lies down in the field and waits for it all to, to pan out. And Michael, then comes one of the best descriptions of kind of otherworldly occurrences that I've ever read in a book. And the shadows begin to, to creep into the night and kind of slip together and the fairies kind of materialize out of the shadows. It's all very spooky, Michael. And then, Michael, Darby O'Gill gets up to give one of them a clatter and what's in front of money is prize cow, Rose. So he jumps behind her to scalp her on the arse and move her down the path back towards the house. And when he does, Michael, she's only gone and been enchanted and she takes off at a gallop and he grabs the end of her and then he gets kind of dragged through County Tipperary. At top speed, because the original takes uh, the original takes place in Tipperary and Clare. Oh, not Cork and Kerry. Nope, not at all. Uh, and he gets kind of pulled through the thing, and the fairies chase him, chasing the cow. So there's this kind of raucous kind of chase scene through Tipperary, which is kind of bizarre. Anyway, the heel of the reel of the jig is he lets go of the cow, gets dumped down. The fairies take him, uh, and before they take him, they say you can come willingly or we can drag you. And oh. much to their, much to their dismay, he says, ah, sure, I'll come along. I've never seen a fairy. Because uh, he's a very practical man, Darby O'Gill. He realises that he's on the precipice of a huge discovery for humankind. And he says, ah, look, I've never spent time with fairies. I'll go with you willingly. And that's a real shame, Michael, because as he's passing through the mountain, which is sleeving yes. him on in this, in this incarnation, he finds that there's loads of humans down there. But, there's a, but they're under the sway of what he calls the black charm. Oh. And that's alluded to a couple of times in the movie. It's called the Come Hither. Yeah, you, you'll hear them mentioned a few times. And the Come Hither is basically if you resist a fairy, they can charm you, oh. and then you're trapped with the fairies forever until Judgment oh, Day. Yeah. And Michael, we're going to get into that in a second. But basically, he finds that there are loads of people. Basically, anyone that ever wandered out of a village, anyone that disappeared from a village, is there. Okay, they're all there in Schlievenmon. And Schlievenamon isn't one fairy fort. It's the fairy fort. This is where mm. all the fairies gather all linked, in Schlievenamon. Yeah. And so he meets his wife's sister, who he thought had died, but she was taken away by the fairies under the black charm. And she feels awful for him. And because he's not under the black charm. Because he went willingly, Ben. Because he went willingly. Basically, he's going to die of old age here. Whereas oh. everyone else can party and drink to their heart's content until Judgment Day. And basically, the fairies are going to try and trick him three times because three is the magic number in Irish folklore. And the three times they try to trick him, he basically has to go along with it because if, he, if he's seen to resist the fairies at any point, they can put the black charm on him and that's oh, it. But anyway. Little sneaky feckers. 
Sheila takes a pity on him and she comes up with a way of doing it and she alerts him to every time they try to charm him. So the first time, they leave the side of the mountain wide open right. and they don't say nothing to him. So they say, oh, you go about your business there, Darby, don't worry about it at all. And basically, if he tries to escape through the mountain, as you would when yeah. you see it left wide open like that, they'll be able to drag him back and put him under the charm. The second time they do it, King Brian Connors himself says, Asher, look, I'll let you go. You're a lovely fella. Go on, I'll let you be. All right, that seems fair enough. That seems fair enough, but he wasn't he wasn't serious, Michael. He's gonna that be, was a trick. He's going to trick him, and then he was going to put him under the charm. So anyway, uh, Darby managed to avoid this all the times. And then finally, Michael, he discovers that the fairies have a secret word to open the side of the tunnel. Now, in the movie, it's Uskel, which is yeah. open in Gaelic, which is fairly handy. But apparently in this, Michael, it's such a foul secret word that uh, Darby O'Gill is forced to bless himself three times when he hears it. <laughs> And then he's forced to go to confession after he says it to open the door. So huh. there's one of the key differences between this film and the book that inspired it or the short stories that inspired it is religion is a huge part of this world. Fairies are very much in league with the devil. And any kind of holy phrase, any kind of thing like that is like burning them. So they're they're almost vampiric in their iteration here. Hmm. And so we we see a lot of that. Anyway, he gets the magic word, slips on out the side of the mountain, and oh, ooh-wee, he knows the fairies are coming for him. So he goes back down the pub with the lads, and he goes, look, lads, I've been gone for six long months. And wouldn't you know it, I was been held by the fairies. And the good Irish people of Tipperary say, oh, yeah, that'll be it. Six months, hidden away in a mountain. Yep, yeah, that'll be it. He's off Nobody bats an eyelid. They all believe him. And so they come about with a plan. And it turns out that one thing the fairies hate is, is, is holly branches, because holly branch is a Christmas tree. Right. And, oh, they don't Christian. like Christ. Yeah, oh, gotcha. they don't like Christ. So what oh, they yeah. do is they set up two rings of holly of holly bow around mm-hmm. his one around his house and then another one with a slight gap. Right. And on. the aim of that is that you have so you have your two circles and there's a slight gap in the other one. But little do the fairies know there's a piece of string tied to another piece of holly. And once the fairies come into the first circle, they can't touch the house, but they're yep. trapped in this first. So you can pull the bit of string and it'll close the gap and make ah. a full circle. Get them all tied up. So this is the whole thing that goes down, right? And so they go through with this plan because the fairies come to kind of cause havoc for poor Darby O'Kill. And they come into the first circle and they can't touch the house. And as soon as the last the last kind of denizen of the... The last Mountain. denizen of the fairies comes in, he closes the gap. They're all trapped in that circle. Now, Michael, the rules set out in this film. So they have no power in the daylight. Yeah. Um, Cox Crow causes all kinds of damage. They all come from this book. And they were actually roughly researched by this woman. She did do quite a bit of effort to find out what the actual rules are. So once the sun comes up, fairies are yeah. powerless. Right. And you can also, they can be seen by any mortal eye. Oh. And so that's the whole thing. So basically the sun comes up, the whole court is revealed. One or two of them slipped away. They managed to, before he closed the pack, they didn't go in. Little and they run and they get Brian Connors. And Brian Connors comes down and says, oh, what the fuck is this? What are you at Derby O'Gill, you absolute chancer? And he says, look, 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 I let them all go. Don't you worry your fairy little head about it. But you have to do a couple of things for me. Oh. And so Brian O'Connor goes, fine, go on. What what you want? And he says, well, number one, you're going to get, you're going to let my lovely sister-in-law go. So they do that. They let her go and she gets to rejoin the family. Hooray. Great, great time for everyone. Number two. I'll not be having any of this. You'll never be bothering me again. You're not allowed to cause any harm to anyone in this village ever again. And Brian is there going, oh, but what are we going to do for fun then? Like, Yeah, so you're ruining it. You're ruining it. But he says, well, look, I could just leave them in the holly if you want, you know. Yeah. And he goes, ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Cheeky blighter, go on. You rapscallion. I'll do it. And then he starts really pushing his luck. He's, he's like, and you're going to give me a mountain of gold. And he's <laughs> like, ah, here. Ah, now, here. Now. now, will you... Will you, will you get to... And you're going to give me my three pigs and my prize cow back. And he's like, ah, fuck it. This very, this is getting a bit <laughs> of beyond, above and beyond now. Beyond the pale. And so anyway, he does it. And he gives all these things back. And he says, if I ever see you again, Darby O'Gill, oh, I'll give you a skeleton. And uh, Darby O'Gill says, ah, that, 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 that. allow touch me. We made a deal. And he goes, oh, yeah. oh, oh. Yeah, so they are, as they're leaving anyway, the priest comes down. Go on. And the priest comes down and he says, uh, ah, Darby, sure you did it. Good man yourself. 
And <laughs> this is where it gets really bizarre. The priest starts to scold him for not asking for more, right? So <laughs> classic priest. He says, "Look, you, 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 you freed your sister a lot. You should have freed everyone from the fairy's control." Yeah, he yeah, does have a you, point there now. Yeah, you selfish man, right? And then he says, uh, what do you mean you only got gold for yourself? You should have got gold for the whole village. To which Darby replies, sure, if everyone was rich, then I wouldn't feel any better. Ah. <laughs> so this is a really interesting thing. Very good. And then he says, and you should have gotten harm for no one in Ireland, not only the people that think. And he goes, and then Darby O'Gill answers with, well, look, I never had a more hospitable time than I did when I was with the fairies. They were the best hosts a man could have asked for. And I'll have no major harm done to them. I won't ask for more than I'm due. Very and good. Appa- apparently Brian Connors hears this as he's leaving. He goes, oh, that Derby, he's all right. He's and they become egg. firm friends from that day on. Good so egg. if you drop by Derby O'Gill's house between 12 in the evening and 3 in the morning... <laughs> you can find him sitting at the hearth when the chitlers are asleep and his good wife Bridget has gone gently into that good night. Um, that and means having, died, Ben. They're having a... Well, well, not that then, sorry. That's my mistake. Um, they're having a, a ship of the putchine at the hearth and waxing ah, lyrical right. about all things. One, um, of the, one of the finest things about the film, Ben, yeah. is Walt, Walt Hallamu Disney, Ben. Yeah. He wanted to present this as if... He'd gone to Ireland and, and come back with this. I know. And, uh, so it, following on from that logic, he didn't, none of the leprechauns are credited in the film. Yeah, which is a real fucking dick move for Jimmy O'D. Is it? But look, anyway, it led to something spectacular, uh, something which was sent to us by our good friend and good friend of the podcast, Dr. Yeah. Stephen Jetward Caswell. Caswell. He, uh, he sent us this, Ben. They made a half-hour promotional thing about Walt Hollywood Disney coming to Ireland and capturing the King of the Fairies. Yeah, it's a whole thing. And I tell you what, Ben, that's much worse than the film. Yeah, it's pretty poor. Walt Hollywood Disney also lied and yes, said he was half Irish for for a lot of the promotional material surrounding that. He was, there was a, an insider memo uh, sent around Disney when this was being kind of thought up and promoted and basically, it's called just just it's called in case anyone wants to look it up. It's called I, I captured the king of the fairies. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think that's what it's called. It's on Daily Motion. We might put a link to it somewhere in our Instagram or on the website, so you can check it out at charmerbug.com. Oh God, damn it, Ben! Uh, pretty good. <laughs> uh, By we, you mean me? Now yeah. I have to do that. <laughs> you have to do that. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Yeah, uh, got him. So. The, the memo is a little bit cynical. It, it says, basically, we've got 20 million people who will lap this up. And um, by that, he means Irish Americans. Irish Americans, And he yeah. said, he said, I want to get the people with shamrocks in their eyes. So yeah. that, that's what he meant by this. And it's, it's a pretty cynical cash grab. And it's, it's based off the back of a lot of films that had come out after World War II mm-hmm. that had tried to do the same. Um, one of them was far more successful than the other. And that's the, the famous John Ford film, The Quiet Man. Yeah, um, that's different. And the the quiet man made a mint, um, and it appealed to something that critics now call the Irish return narrative. And basically, it was this kind of fantasy that a lot of Irish Americans had, second generation immigrants and and things like that. They had this fantasy of kind of returning to the homeland and soothing the ills of modern city life because Ireland mm. was just a hovel in the ground and it was a simple way of life. And you know, it would be hard to argue that that myth has died away because we, we see in other stories from people like Colin Tobin in the modern era, Brooklyn starring Saoirse Ronan and things like that. It's the exact same thing. Um, it's this return to the homeland, return to the balm of your your youth kind of thing. It's, it's a bizarre thing. And he was trying to cash in mainly on that. Not very successfully because it wasn't a big financial hit when it came out. Nope. It has gone well on to obviously be pretty well regarded and to make plenty of money, but it wasn't a huge success at the time. I'll tell you what, though, Ben. Go on. As far as depictions of leprechauns in, in culture go, it's one of the friendlier ones because I watched a much worse one. Oh, no. What did you watch? Bloody 1993 film, Ben, Leprechaun. Oh. I, I haven't even written down the director's name. I've forgotten who it was. The it most doesn't... notable thing about it is that Jennifer Aniston is in it. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston fighting leprechauns. Jennifer Aniston in her first film and Warwick Davis, who, coming from our neighbours in the UK, you thought would have known better. But ah, the come one on, of the best Michael, thing, when? <laughs> let's let's when be honest now. Known better. 
<laughs> uh, one of the best things about it, Ben, is despite being about an evil leper. So I'll tell you very quickly the story. So Daniel O'Grady is a, is an Irish man who's living in America, and he goes back to Ireland. And when he's in Ireland, he catches a leprechaun and he tricks him into getting his gold. Ugh. And that all happens off screen. Um, oh, good. So he he comes back to America and he brings the leprechaun with him. Uh oh! And uh, and the leprechaun kills his wife, and he Jesus. he has a, he has a stroke, so he manages to trap the leprechaun, and then years later, and then it's just about Americans, so th- it's it's very low on the paddywhackery. Oh well, that's not too bad, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's then about like hick Americans in in North Rural Dakota or something, wherever. <laughs> so Los, uh, what's her name? Jennifer Aniston is a city girl from Los Angeles, and she's spending the summer in this hick town in New Mexico or North Dakota or wherever the hell it is. And uh, they accidentally unleash the leprechaun. Ooh! And he comes out and does murders, but he—I mean—he's not really leprechauny. He doesn't no, he's got a funny little voice though. or anything. He's just a little prick. He's just a yeah. murderous little prick. Um, the only kind of leprechaun thing about him, Ben, is that he... Uh, he, Funnily enough, you, you said about vampires earlier. He has the same reaction to a four-leaf clover that a vampire <laughs> has to a holy cross. <laughs> so a four-leaf clover has power over him. Again, another thing which really doesn't... It's not a thing in Irish legends It's like and Superman and Kryptonite. Why would his home yeah, planet yeah. hurt him so much? What do you mean? Yeah, so, <laughs> um, it's not a great film, Ben, to be honest. It's, yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say it is, Michael. I mean, it's a cult classic, and it's it's a classic kind of monster creature feature, cheap Jesus. creature feature from from the nineties. Only nineteen ninety three, though. I thought it was older. Um, nineteen ninety three, relatively recent in the world of movies. Look, the nineties were a weird time for horror movies, Michael. I know, it's... but funnily, like only three years before, say Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I th- it has a a real whack of Buffy the Vampire Slayer off it a little bit though, doesn't it? It's, it's ah no, well I mean it's it doesn't have it it's not great it's not a great film. Um, I also watched Leprechaun in Space, which is a absolutely weird one. I think we talked about it before, did we? Yeah, that was on Irishman's Spas Three, I think. What? There's your dad. There's my dad in the background. <laughs> there he is. No, it's okay. We're not filming. It's just <laughs> there you go. <laughs> on that note Ben why don't we wrap it up uh, Michael I would like to request that I get to tell the second story next week um, All right. which okay. is how the fairies came to Ireland because that one is batshit crazy and it's fucking great it's got the what? Archangel Gabriel and the Archangel Michael in it Michael and it's fucking weird do you want to do it now weird. we can do it now let's <laughs> do it now we'll pad out the last 10 minutes of this we've got about 8 minutes left bloody bizarre go on um, do it so basically Michael you've got 8 minutes Ben I'm going to meet... put a timer on screen okay the second time we meet Brian Connors right the second yeah. time we meet Brian Connors Connors. He meets the priest that we met in the first story, and the priest rides a horse called Terror. And <laughs> Terror loses a shoe, as yeah. you do, and he's stuck in the middle of a bow reading. He goes, Ah, Jesus Lord, preserve me. How am I supposed to get back to the village now on a horse with only three shoes? And Brian Connors pops along, he says, Ah, how are you, Father? And the father, who doesn't bat an eyelid, goes, Ah, how are you, Brian? And it's just this bizarre moment. So anyway, turns out that our priest has been having a bit of a bloody uh, uh, a philosophical pondering, Michael. He's been racking his brain and going, sure, how did those little fellas get over here to Ireland? Because he's heard all kinds of rumours, Michael. Apparently the fairies are fallen angels. Apparently the fairies fought against uh, God himself and got cast down. And he says to Brian, while Brian has his farrier, which is a man who puts shoes on horses. I know. While he has his, for the listeners, for the listeners. Um, And he says, right, they'll do that. We'll smoke a pipe and wax lyrical about where we came from. So they sit there and they go, well, I'll tell you, father. I'll tell you, father. I'll tell you, father. Once upon a time, once upon a time, we are all in heaven together. And father goes, oh, okay. Explain that one a little bit to me. Well, you had old Nick. And that's what they call the devil in this. He's called old Nick. Right, um, and he said, "Oh, I forgot to mention the best part about these stories. They are written in what Hermione Templeton Cabinet assumes to be the Tipperary accent. Oh, so the, brilliant! So the spelling is just all over. Impenetrable, brilliant, excellent, easy like is spent. E- easy is spelled A I S Y. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> nice and easy, uh, and it's just bizarre, right? So, anyway." He starts to tell them about, well, yeah, back in the day, Father, you had your white angels and your black angels, 
Oh god, that doesn't sound great. I know that's not great, is it? Um, and he said, "Well, old Nick was was there fighting for the rights." So apparently, Miss Kavanagh takes the the kind of Paradise Lost Milton approach, where the devil yeah, is just she takes just out for equal rights. Side. Yeah, and. Uh, he goes, well, look, I'm I'm a king of my people and I wasn't dragging them into no fight that they, they weren't meant to be a part of. And da, 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 da. But anyway, it turns out that poor Brian Connors had a best friend. And that best friend's name was Thaddeus Flynn. And Good one name. day, if they were sitting on their perch in heaven, having a look down at all the shenanigans happening down below. And who should come along but your old Nick himself? And old Nick himself, well, he gave an old polemic and he said, look, we need equal rights. It's not fair that some people should get this and other people should get this and we should all be equal and da, 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 da. So anyway, yeah. Thaddeus Flynn goes, oh, Jesus, you're right. It's not fair that I'm a little short arse with no wings. I should be a fairy. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. I, I should be bloody, I should turn into an angel and, and have the same rights as everybody else. So he goes off and he takes part in this battle. And then what, what follows is <laughs> we get Brian Connor's Irish <laughs> sum, yes. sum, summary of the battle between good and evil in heaven. Excellent. And basically, his summary is: Shall both sides try to bait each other black and blue? I and thought it kid... was black and white, Ben. Well, no, black and blue this time. So okay. anyway, they try to bait each other blue. So Brian takes his lot, the fairies, and they hide under a rampart somewhere, and they kind of wait for all this to blow over. And he gets to watch his buddy Tig, and Thaddeus Flynn doesn't take part in the fight because angels are huge, kind of unknowable creatures and they can hurl mountains at each other and stuff like that but apparently there's one fairy in the middle of this huge Lord of the Rings-esque battle going Jesus you're an awful prick sure fuck you and the horse you're riding on <laughs> it's just one little guy and he took and my friend Thaddeus Flynn took off his coat and he flung it on the ground in anger and it's just so you have this bizarre image of a single leprechaun just kind of stamping his feet going Jesus God you're an awful bollocks and oh you're all bastards it's the best thing I've ever read Michael it's so enjoyable Enjoyable to read and then it gets a bit racist so basically oh, what good. happens is <laughs> what happens is the good guys win the archangel yeah. gabriel and the archangel michael decide what to do with the fairies who didn't take either side and there's yeah. nothing worse than a coward right so he said look you're an amicable bunch of lads we'll send you down to earth where would you like to go and he says well i'd like to go to a place where the people are jovial the men are brave and the women are fair and Gabriel goes, right, yeah, cool, tick. Um, and I kid you not when it says in the book, yeah, I've written that down. That's what Gabriel says to him in response to that. <laughs> well, look, I'd like them to be, I'd like it to be a lovely lush land filled with wonderful things that'll entertain you all day long. And he goes, yeah, right, grand, have that down. I'd love the men to drink themselves stupid every night and the women to sing more beautiful than... And he goes, yeah, cool, got all that. And I don't want them to be Catholic. <laughs> And then he goes, how do you expect me to do that? And he goes, <clears throat> well, I don't want them to be Catholic. And the other thing I want is I don't want them to have any kind of power because power makes a man boring. So make them impoverished and poor. Oh, Jesus. And Gabriel goes, okay, how, how do you expect me to make that happen? And <laughs> then Brian Connor says, well, make them Jews. Oh, Christ. <laughs> and Gabriel says in response to that, well, I can't make them poor and a Jew because those two don't oh, go. Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that the worst thing? Ben, I don't like where heard. this is going. <laughs> so anyway, he goes, ah, sure, look, I'll figure it out myself. So they fling the whole lot of fairies down and the fairies wander the earth for a while and they go to Spain and France and Switzerland and Germany and all the other places in Europe. And that's how fairies came to be all around the world because they let little tribes of them all over the place. And eventually they found the beautiful Ireland <laughs> uh, and they settled there for the rest of the days. They hollowed out Schlievenamon and made it their home. And it's just the weirdest story, Michael, you'll ever read. It'll take you five minutes to read it. I strongly recommend that you do. It's incredibly entertaining, except for that one horrifically racist bit in the middle. A little bit racist, that middle bit. It's so racist, Michael. But... Such an entertaining romp. This was an extra long episode of Michael and Benjamin's podcast, ladies and gentlemen. That was um, only three minutes above an hour. We're all yeah, right. that's fair. That's fair. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, have you ever watched this bloody film? What did you think of it? Have you ever read these bloody stories? It's brilliant. What did you think of them? We'd like to give a special thank you to Stephen J. Cadwell, who sent us on the bizarre Walt Disney capturing the King of the Fairies promo bit. Um, and uh, yeah... So it's just a really bizarre story. I quite enjoyed watching Darby O'Gill, though, much to my shame. 
Yeah, very shameful. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to engage with more Irish pop culture things, you can get in touch with us in a number of ways. We're on the internet at seomorabeag.com. S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny Roman Irish, kind it- of. Does indeed, kind of. You can also find us on Le Gram at Shomrabyog, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G dot com. No, not dot com. Remove that dot com. You've invented some new letters there, Ben, but I think people... Uh, Look, they get the idea. Uh, And you can give us some topics that you'd like to hear discussed, ladies and gentlemen. You can give us some topics you'd like to hear discussed. Uh, That's it from us this week, Michael, isn't it? Yeah, next week, who knows what we're talking about. Oh, God only knows. Hopefully not... Bloody racist Jewish depictions. It's pretty yeah, weird. Oh, well, I mean, we could. We could. <laughs> Who is we to want say? to touch that with a barge uh, ball. Yeah, it's not. It's not for us, Michael. Not for us. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, slaughter while you and may the road rise to meet you. And may all the day be soft and grand and fucking <laughs> Okay. <laughs>